The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. My powers have doubled since the last time we met Count. Hey! Suffering. Death! dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Aren't the droids we're looking for? Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. Do my only help. Hello there. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I, 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 Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, Twi'leks, Mandalorians, Jedis, Siths, all you gobble, 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 gobble. As well, to another edition of the New Force Order. And that is just too sweet, white man. I am here to say Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the... Happy Black Friday today. Oh, yeah, now it's Black Friday. Now it's Dark Side Friday. Make sure you get your deals before Cyber Monday. And then after that, weeks after, where they're still holding the deals on the internet because they want everyone's Scott Ole. For G- General Grievous Monday. <laughs> General Grievous Monday. Tremendous. Ladies and gentlemen, how's everyone doing? I hope everybody ate their turkey and their stuffing. Hopefully the women got stuffed. And if you're into the other side of the fence, you got stuffed as well. No judgment here to each their own. I am one half. Of the new Force Order, I am a multi-time champion in a galaxy far, far away. Current champion in three different promotions. I am the Alpha, the Omega of pro wrestling, the Governor of Real Town, never a citizen of Leg Slap City. I am the Greek God Papadon, A.K.A. your boy GGP. But most importantly, I am a Star Wars. And alongside with me, riding the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs, it is the man of the hour, who's too sweet to be sour. And if you don't believe me, ask Mrs. Claus. She'll tell you how sweet he truly is. Introduce yourself, sir. I am smarter than 2-1-B, more technical than FX7, the god of Stealing Thunder. And the only man who's got the balls to ask Anakin Skywalker to pass the roasted legs on Thanksgiving 
Dr. Destroyer, Alex Roy. <laughs> this. I hate you. How you been, Doc? I've been a right pop. We haven't done a show in, a, I feel like, an eternity. The last time. I know. But also, you didn't even close the show on me last time. You fell asleep on me. So I feel uh, like that, I'm about to get extra. That's fake news. Fake news, my friend. Fake <laughs> I got, news. I got the video to prove it. It's like the guy standing beside the uh, the moon landing. He's like, oh, let's make your own coffee. Get out of here. <laughs> Doctor footage, my friend. You got that uh, ILM magic. Anyhow, let's forget about the past. Let it die. Kill Let it die. if you must. <laughs> How was your turkey day? It was great. I had everybody over. Speaking um, of over, no, I'm just kidding. Exactly. We're not, no, we're not, not doing over. that tonight. We don't no got it over tonight. I don't know. We didn't, we, we didn't put it together. Um, I cooked. I made a ton of shit. I made some mashed potatoes. I made some green beans, potatoes, potatoes. Yeah, I know. Some fucking uh, other potatoes with onions. I made Brussels sprouts. I made a crazy ass fucking turkey that was banging. And my aunt had a psychotic break, which was great. And I had to get admitted to the hospital today, which is wonderful. So she's doing it right right now. Thank God. Oh my God. But, uh, In yeah. the middle of dinner? No, she's been having this break but everybody noticed that she was just like totally bonkers during the whole meal which was uh d- t- to my credit though usually she like snags all the leftovers she took nothing to which is which was to my benefit which is good so oh sharon's gonna be making her sandwiches all week long earning her keep I made mine. that's right girl today. get in that kitchen earn that keep earn your anyway well, but otherwise it was good how was yours mine was very well hung out with the fam at my mother's house and we ate like a bunch of gavons and uh, brought home some leftovers and ate again today. So, eating well, enjoying the festivities, and uh, I'm glad we're doing the show. It does feel like we haven't done one in a long time, but we're here now. You over here I now? Love, by the way, more than the what I like to call the everything sandwich post Thanksgiving, where I literally just take the turkey, the stuffing, the cranberry, the, cranberry, the gravy, and just shove it into fucking two pieces of bread, and then we're gone. Put your meat between the buns and you're good to go. That's it, baby. So I'm glad we're here now. Let's rock and roll. We have a ton of news to go over. It's very, very news heavy today. So let's start off with uh, The Mandalorian. The uh, cast reveals exciting season three plot details. Now, did you uh, happen to venture down this article? I did. I did. I saw they spoke to Bo-Katan Kreese. Katie Sackhoff, they spoke to Abuela's favorite actor, Giancarlo Esposito, Moff Gideon. They also spoke to some of the directors, I believe. Fujiwara Armbar. Fujiwara Armbar, who's my favorite director, by the way. He's great. That's straight. Director Rick Fumaya explained uh, how the season, we will see uh, Mando coming terms with all of the decisions he has made. Since, the the uh, bad Grogu- ones and the good ones? Ooh. Yeah. Since Grogu came into play, um, also what he really understands uh, what it means to be a Mandalorian throughout the season. Oh, I think I think he's gonna figure out what it means to be a Mandalorian. Cue that porno music. That's, that's the NWO music. I think. Yeah, well, that's what Scott Hall used to call it, porno music. So. Thank you. 
<laughs> so he quotes, the exciting part about Mandalorian is that it started with a very simple and sort of elemental relationship when the Mandalorian met his young child and how it affected him. I think all of the decisions he's made since coming into contact with the child has sort of raised the stakes in terms of storytelling of the show. And we've just been following that to sort of its natural place. And he's experienced meeting people outside of his own creed and understanding and what makes it means to be a Mandalorian. So as we get to season three, it's really sort of a culmination of that. We started with our original Mandalorian, but as the teaser, as as the, the teaser said, he's not only... He's not the only one, meaning the teaser uh, trailer. And what does that mean? So this season, it is all about kind of bringing that stuff together. Yeah, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Um, your, your, your squeeze, Bogotan Crease, Katie Sackoff. <laughs> also teased the idea of her character tackling what it means to be a real Mandalorian, noting that her... One very clear way of seeing things will be challenged in season three. Ooh. So she states, coming into the season, I don't know who the season is, but she came in them. Uh, <laughs> Bo, <laughs> Bo has some clear ideas about who she believes to be a real Mandalorian, and I think that is really important place for her to start. She was raised one way. She thinks one very clear way. And her knowledge of that is being challenged. One of the things about Bo that I love and we see a lot of this season is that she always growing and she's always evolving. And I think that's a really beautiful lesson. Oh, your girl, Emery, Emily Swallow, mm. the armorer, not Emily, not Emily Spitz. But Emily Swallow, oh, she's a, that's right, tease a larger role for herself. Oh, she's <laughs> talking about you, brother. <laughs> In season three, yalla. Noting how her hero never shies away from a challenge. She's talking about you making those turkey sandwich leftovers, brother. And how that will be shown in a more fully next season. So she says, after she swallows, she says, one of the things that I really appreciate. One of the things that I really appreciate about the armorer is that she never shies away from a challenge. She's most of the time enjoyed someone else have to deal with the challenges, but I don't think she shies away from them for herself. And I think she, I think we all enjoy watching other people work through challenges because we get to see them learn. And that sort of encourages us to learn because dot 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 so we'll get to see these characters learn all right whatever all right. that was like a she's ghetto version of fuck reading rainbow right there so exactly. she's gonna learn thank you she's gonna learn <laughs> learn how to make a fucking sandwich i'm kidding not really Moff gideon your grandmother's favorite actor john carlo exposito went into deeper Ooh, went deeper into your grandmother into this role into his role you <laughs> had to be at least six feet deep to get there <laughs> Oh, you know, he, uh, Southern brother packed yeah. too much meat. <laughs> too buku. Something wrong there, Chief? She said, no, boom, boom, we saw brother. Hey, what the motherfucker? She, she said, so brother, too buku, too buku. What is this, man? I think what he's trying to tell you is that you black boys pack too much meat. <laughs> <laughs> too buku, too buku. 
<laughs> oh, man. Giancarlo Exposito went deeper into his role for season three uh, as well, explaining that his character actually would really like to be a Mandalorian. Dun, 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 dun. Plot thickens right there. Because of their strength as a group, Gideon loves the idea of duty and being in service and action, pushing him to be a great warrior while learning about himself along the way. Now his quote was, Moff Gideon would really like to be a Mandalorian and there's a, there's a reason for it. That's his psychological real problem. He really wants to be a Mandalorian because the strength and power of the Mandalorians is not necessarily that they are individuals. It's that they are part of a group that have an ideal and a morality. And that to me is really powerful in our story. This journey this guy takes, and as he's pointing at Pedro Pascal, is such a beautiful way to... Is such a beautiful way is the struggle, and we hear it in his voice and we see it in his body. There's something about duty and being in service and action that galvanizes him that to have to do it. And within that, like, oh, I'm done now, I'm done, but no, because wait a minute, I still have to learn something about who me, and it's phenomenal. And how do you resist? That unjaded personality that allows you to see where you come from. How can you resist that? You hate that little child for a minute. You hate that because it's showing you what you were. And then you become this effing, uh, this effing warrior. So all of these elements of the story really intrigue me. And allow me to be really thankful and grateful to be in this universe. Well, that was a little big fucking pill to swallow. What do you think, Doc? pretty excited ben um I, listen don't we all want to be a mandalorian i mean fuck yeah of course jean carl esposito can't just go and say hey i want to be a mandalorian he's not gonna be a mandalorian it's good that he wants to be one good on you kid but for the most part it is what it is mm. would you rather be a mando or a jedi mm. do i get to have the dark saber if i'm a mandalorian why not you get to have two done Mando, it is <laughs> Ooh. Interesting. That could be an impromptu who is more over. Yes. Maybe for next week. Mm. Well, impromptu, impromptu would would assume, would assume that it's going to happen now. But okay, don't worry. I know what it means, but I, we have no emails to go off of, so. Like, like just, we get any? I mean, come on. It's normal. <laughs> and like, <laughs> pop. Uh, tremendous. So, The Mandalorian Season 3. Announcements, dates confirm. CCXP officially confirmed Lucasfilm will hold a panel at the Brazilian Comic Con event on December uh, December first, which will include news from Mandalorian season three and Indiana Jones five. Nice. So the Brazilian Comic Con, you think they have waxing there? Of course they do. They, they, had, they, they wax all those fat smelly guys who uh, don't. Oh. You ever had a Brazilian wax stock? Never. The post- I've had it on my face, but I've never had it on me. <laughs> the post indicates that the Mandalorian producers John Favreau, Dave Filoni will also be in attendance. This full announcement uh, post, roughly translated into English, can be seen below. The hashtag Disney NACCXP is coming with everything to hashtag CCXP22. The panels will take place on Thursday, 12-1. Lucasfilm will bring news about the third season of Mandalorian and the fifth film of Indiana Jones. Okay, so this there we is, go. Is, let's, uh, let's take a sidebar for a second. What do you think about this Indiana Jones movie? 
Well, if the rumors are true, it's going to fucking suck. If the rumors are not true, hopefully they're not true because it's really, really bad, dude. You can't kill Indiana Jones and give Phoebe Waller the whip in the hat and have her take the role over as a... You know what I mean? Yeah, they just might do that. I mean, you know, they, they tried to pawn it off to Shia LaBeouf a couple of years ago. How, how, how'd that work? Well, listen, again... That movie isn't that bad. You take out that monkey scene where he's swinging with the monkeys. You know what I'm saying? The movie jumps from a from a C to a very strong B plus. And if you clear up the ending a little bit, you know what I'm saying, and make it a better visually a better better visual pleasing ending, then I think you might get an A plus. It really wasn't that bad because he still fought the Nazis. He still felt like Indiana Jones, man. Yeah. And I kind of like Shia LaBeouf as an actor, even though. People say he's crazier than a fucking, like, uh, crazier than a fucking, what do you call it, shithouse rat, but. Yeah, he's a little bananas right now, but. You know? Tis what it is. Eh. Let's move on to Andor, since, since you haven't finished it yet. Yeah, Mark. perfect. Tony Gilroy confirms new directors for season two of Andor. Now, let me ask you if you know these guys. Ariel Kleisman, Janice uh, Metz, and Alonzo yeah, Ruiz. Alonzo Morning. What? Alonzo Morning. Alonzo Morning. Alonzo Ruiz. You remember Alonzo Morning? Yeah, Fucking worst Nick of all time. Ruiz Palas, Pal- Palacios. Alonzo Ruiz Palacios. You know any of these directors? Palacios? I think I was go with that guy. Palacios, yes. Uh, no, I know none of them. Okay, okay. Well, they've been confirmed, so hopefully they do a good job. So the thing is that those are three. Season two is going to be 12 episodes. And there are three episode arcs, so there's one director missing from this list. Unless Uh-oh. they're only doing an episode each. So and his name is Ryan Johnson. Imagine that. Fuck. Give your spear on now. His name Ooh. is <laughs> Ryan Johnson. Spear, what do you think about Ryan Johnson, huh? Fuck Kathleen Kennedy. Fuck Ryan Johnson. Neither of them should ever be involved with Star Wars ever again. And if that happens, I'm going to march my ass right up to the front doors of Disney. I'm going to kick down the doors and I'm going to lay it the smack of down on both the candy asses. (laughs) Never gets old. Never gets old. Never gets old. Or and or audience demand now near Mandalorian levels, according to study. Now, remember, we talked about this last show, how the demand for the show wasn't really up to par. People weren't happy. They they weren't looking at it. They weren't watching it. They weren't keeping up. But now, apparently, it looks like everybody has caught on a little late to the party. Everyone's kung fu fighting. I saw a t-shirt today. It said, clearly, everybody couldn't have been kung fu fighting, right? I guess not. Andrew's first two episodes were aired on ABC and FX and Freeform for Thanksgiving. So according to them, Wednesday the 23rd, it's going to be on ABC. Already passed. Yeah, it's all shit all passed. But whatever. Now the whole fucking season is going to be on there. So it's interesting that they're, that they're dumping that on there. I'm, I'm curious as to why that's the case. Maybe because they felt that initially they weren't getting enough exposure. And they spent all this money on this series and they wanted to push it forward. So they said, you know what? Let's just dump it on fucking on regular TV and see what happens. Well, that could be it. Or... There, from what I understand, Iger is back in as CEO, yep. and Chapek is out, and 
allegedly, Chapek moved budgets around and money around to hide the losses, the financial losses that Disney Plus is having right now. So maybe they fi- maybe they they figured if they put this on regular TV, people will be more inclined to subscribe to Disney Plus because the uh, the show is so good. Who knows? It's possible. I mean, could it, very it well could be. Could definitely go both ways. Like you, uh, not like me. Diego Luna reveals which Andor scene made him cry on set. And I'm kind of remiss to say this because you didn't finish the episode, so I don't know if I want to yeah. get down into this. Um. I I, you can say it. It's fine. I did. It doesn't matter to me. He, I'm okay with the spoiler. Basically, it's in the last episode. He says, "I was walking underneath Ferrix, which is the planet where they're from," and then the director started playing the words of Marva, which is his mother. So I was listening to the music, and in a moment, that's and then the words, and with the music playing, just before the words hit. He said he started crying. Wow. He goes, I didn't want the character to cry there. I was like, shit, no, this can't be happening. I got I got so emotional. So, And it means a lot to me on a personal level, that relationship of Cassian and Marva and the way she, she ends up setting him in the right direction. I think it says a strong, strong piece of Cassian's story, which is very true. And I get emotional just talking about it. It is for me the strongest relation, and it's clearly Marvel's example that sets him in the right uh, that ride that will end up with him in Rogue One. So that got him all cheeried. His eyes were leaking. Well, the ambulance showed up. Exactly. Okay. What are you doing over there? Flicking switches. Flicking switches. I think it's um. Clicking your mouse. We we all want our actors to be emotionally invested in their characters, and I think Diego. Now, having played Andor for many, many hours, is probably very emotionally vested inside of it. So, he did a great it's, job. Yeah, it's he did a great job on Rogue One. I mean, you know, he wasn't he wasn't um, what's the word I'm looking for a novice to the role, so we knew that. But it's it's good when a, when a character gets that emotionally invested that you know they they have the same feelings because then you know they're putting their they're all into the role. So, good on you, kid. Very well said, Doc. Um... Acolyte, the show that's going to be done by Leslie Headland, has uh, has revealed their cast. It's been announced. So let's go through this. Amanda Stabler is uh, the lead. Amanda Stabler? Stenberg. Stenberg, got it. Man, Amanda. Amanda. DLA. The kissing hug. Right? She's the lead. Lee Jung Jae from Squid Games is in it. Nice. Manny Jancito. Manny, from- Manny Pacquiao. Manny Fernandez. Manny Jancito from Good Place is in it. Daphne Keen, X-23 from Logan. Oh, nice. Is in it. Jody Turner. Joey Tell? No, fucking Joey Tell. Get out of here. <laughs> Jody Turner-Smith from True Blood's in it. Rebecca Henderson from Russian Dolls in it. Charlie Barnett from Russian Dolls in it. Dean Charles Chapman from Games of Thrones is in it. Carrie Ann Moss, a.k.a. Trinity from Matrix, is in it as well, right? The plot also has been um, revealed. You want to lay the foundation with this plot, or you want me to go through it, Doc? Go for it, baby. Go for it. Go for it. With the production of The Acolyte now beginning, or now begun, Disney Plus shares an an official plot detail for the Star Wars series. The show is described as a mystery thriller. Ooh. 
that sees a young Padawan reunite with a Jedi master to investigate a series of crimes during the final days of the High Republic era. While the plot details still leave plenty of mystery for eager audiences, it also sets up a unique series in the Star Wars world. Uh, and here's word for word the actual synopsis. The Acolytes a Mystery Theater that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. A former Padawan reunites with a Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes. But the forces that they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. Mm. So what do you think? Oh, that sounds exciting. Sounds like fucking Roger Rabbit meets fucking Star Wars. <laughs> that just came to me right now. Is it gonna have the big boobs though? Because because then I'm in. Oh, of course you are. Please, Eddie. That's, anyway. uh, she's one of my favorites. Ah, uh, it sounds good. I mean, oh no, it does. I, I think the cast that they that they've assembled thus far is an interesting one. Um, you know, with the addition of Carrie and Moss, who I love in, in the Matrix, she's fantastic. Uh, and with the X twenty three chick, who you know we haven't seen in. God knows how long. Um, I, it's you know they've got some some legit people up on this up on this um, up on this series. So let's see what happens. You know I'm not so 100% sold on Headland. You know she's obviously given the nod to her people from Russian Dolls. You can see that already. Um, people she's comfortable with and worked with in the past before, which is all right. It's fine. But um, let's see what she's got. Speaking uh, about, you said I'm not talking Harvey Weinstein. See what you got. Huh. Pop. Uh, speaking about uh, X Men, because you mentioned uh, X23. Sure. Sean Levy from Deadpool 3 and Free Guy director is in talks to direct a Star Wars film. Oh, great. So I'm sure next week we'll, we'll <laughs> report on this that he's now out and he said, oh, yeah, it didn't work out. Funny that you mentioned that because. Devotion filmmaker J.D. Dillard is no longer developing a Star Wars movie for Lucasfilm. J.D. Dillard um, was supposed to do something for Star Wars and a Rocketeer sequel. Uh, so when they asked him about it, he said, about Fuck Star Wars... I'm going home. He said, about Star Wars, unfortunately, no longer a thing. It was not for a lack of of trying Dillard explained those are very interesting words not that he's totally done with the idea of making a space movie it's just that this time it will be an original idea when we asked him what his Star Wars movie would feel like he stopped short hesitant to divulge too much but he did say that playing an early Star Wars computer game called TIE Fighter changed his life my dad being an aviator, we had a bunch of flight simulators, Dillard said, including TIE Fighter. I'm playing this game for months, and my dad's flying it with me, and I'm like, man, this game is just so cool. And he's like, well, you know, son, this game comes from a series of movies. And I was like, you're kidding me. That is where I watched Star Wars for the first time and realized the full scope of what it meant to world build because I've been playing this pseudo 16-bit game. So, what do you take from that there, Sherlock? Uh, I take that Disney does not like uh, directors whose dads have been fighter pilots. Pop! I was thinking the same thing. 
Oh, it's tremendous. So it doesn't look like Snoopy's son is going to freaking direct the movie either. The Red Baron? <laughs> the Red Baron. That's fucking wonderful. Um, should we just dovetail this into the rumor sure. that totally. Kathleen Kennedy is now going to be ousted in her position at Lucasfilm because the bitch just cannot shut her mouth about potential people who are doing projects for Disney and they just want her to get her the fuck out. Well, to be fair, that's out pl- there to play devil's advocate. This is not the first time we've heard that she's out. No, oh, it is not. But this this rumor has been reported by John Campia, who's a very big Star Wars internet guy and a, ba- a big movie guy. And according to this article, who's the cousin of Tommaso Campia? Pop, that's Ciampa. Um, you know, this is a YouTuber, John Campy, revealed on his live show that sources indicated that Kathleen Kennedy will be removed as president of Lucasfilm either before the release of Indiana Jones 5 or shortly after. His quote was this. This is what I've heard. I have heard that the decision to remove Kathleen Kennedy has already been made as she will be gone for either sometime before or very, very shortly thereafter the, re- the release of Indiana Jones 5. Now, I want to be very, very clear here. I cannot independently say to you and confirm to you that this is a fact. I will say that one or two people that have contacted me has a thousand percent average on the things they've informed me of. This in turn would mean that a new president of Lucasfilm would oversee any future Star Wars projects, including the film that's supposed to come out in 2025. Now, before revealing these two separate sources, told him Campy explains that he previously thought that Bob Iger's recent return as CEO of Walt Disney Company would help entrench Kevin uh, Kennedy even more, which makes sense because he's a he's a a Kennedy supporter. I'm a I'm a Kathleen Kennedy guy. Yeah. Um, and then he further explains that sometimes he is corrected by sources after speculating on his show. In this case, two separate people, completely independent of each other, said that Kennedy would be out. In 2023, so this is next year. Her contract ends in 2025. So Indiana Jones is coming out next year in 2023. So it could be uh, be true. And his his, uh, quote was, all right, sometimes I will say something on a show. And then, like, in the case of Edgar Wright, I'll get contacted by certain people in the know that would say to me, hey, you said this. It was a great show, but you're wrong. I'll tell you this last night. In the last 14 years... Last night, I got an email from somebody very connected. And this morning, I got a phone call from someone even more connected that got in touch with me. Two separate people completely independent of each other. Like, I got a hold of me and said, oh, John, you, you Kathleen Kennedy's going to be more entrenched than Iger's in. Oh, wait. Oh, John, you Kathleen Kennedy's going to be more entrenched than that Iger's in. I'm like, yep, you're wrong. So... Who knows? I mean, we've heard this fucking thing before. Can I be honest with you? You know what I think? Please, please. I think she's going to become the head CEO of Disney. Oh, I think they're going to bump her up, huh? I think she's going to get bumped up to to a bigger role. If Indiana Jones 5 does well, you're fired from your current position and you're hired as the boss. Pretty much. I mean... Look, you can say what you want about Kathleen Kennedy. I know we know Sphero has said a ton about her. I know he really loves her deep down inside. It makes him nice and wet and moist, like warm and fuzzy, like when you used to climb the rope in gym class. But in all actuality, 
she's made a ton of scarole for this for 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 Lucasfilm, and she's the number two producer in Hollywood history behind Kevin Feige. So let's face facts here. Money fucking talks. And is she a good fit for her role in Lucasfilm? I don't think so. Um, could she have done a better job? Yeah. Will she do a better job? Um, only time will tell. But who do you think might take the role? You think uh, Filoni and Favreau might step up or no? And take her job while she takes the uh, the the uh, the Iger job. Yeah, who knows? Uh, it's possible. I mean, that the makes, Kevin Feige that might step up. Sense. Oh man, Kevin Feige jumping ship to 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 Star Wars. Interesting. Um, with this whole new change between the Bobs, between the Bobs, it should be like a a TV show. Um, and and the uh, what's his face stepping back in? Was it Iger? Uh, Iger's stepping stepping back. Yeah, in. Iger's back in. Um, he may not want to be there permanent. He may just be the short term solution until they can push Kathy. Well, he said point. he's only going to be there for another two years. So that he, seems, seems like it makes sense to me. Yeah, but who I'm saying, who do you want to be the Lucasfilm president? Uh, Filoni and Favreau together. Really? Hold hands and do it. You know who I would like to be Filo- uh, Lucasfilm president? John Cena. No. no. George Lucas. Bring him back in. <laughs> that's an, that's an easy sell. For oh, us at least. I mean, he don't have to make any movies. He just has to okay him. Yeah, I'm just gonna sit here and it's okay these movies. Okay, yeah, it's no big deal. That was actually pretty good, dude. Thank you. And then my George Lucas is uh, like a little guy, uh, you know. Sounds almost like Kermit uh, the Frog. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I know, because uh, you know, uh, Jim Henson worked on the Star Wars movies with me. You know. Did you see that? Uh, I think you said it to me. It was the video of George Lucas. Right before he was writing the the uh, the the oh yeah the prequel trilogy, we rolls into his house. He's like, I've got these uh, these um, new, new legal pads over here. You know, I've got some sharp number two pencils, and uh, now I just need an idea. <laughs> and then it goes through all the fucking shit that he did. Great. Yeah, tremendous. It's funny. High Republic, the High Republic on screen future teased by Kathleen Kennedy, a new art book. Oh, I know this got your fucking. Ooh, mouth watering. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> In the new book, Art of the Art of Star Wars: The High Republic, Volume One, the following the following paragraph was included when talking about the transition from written media to live action storytelling. Uh, and this is from the direct. If the High Republic gamble succeeded, the story anchoring the new interconnected multimedia initiative. Stood to open up to new storytelling opportunities beyond the page, allowing publishing to evolve into an incubator for new characters and era that could later appear in games or on screen. A role reversal for the department typically tasked with sustaining uh, interest between tentpole projects and big screen movies that nevertheless honor the genesis of all stories in film, games, and television. Kathleen Kennedy added the following Tease regarding the time period's on-screen future. And I hear quote, that, Spiro? Kathleen Kennedy's teasing you. It all starts with the word. So. What, what, what word? <laughs> fucking bullshit. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a high republic, you know. If the acolyte can't save it, I think it's going to be a, a, dead, a dead in the water product. 
I agree with you. Uh, I think the biggest mistake they did was make it a media uh, starting point. I think it should have been done through a show. Disney Plus is right there, man. That they want to start, you know, catapulting stuff out. They got to do it the right way, and the right way to do it is via, you know, the visual media. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I guess uh, you live and you learn, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not the boss, so. No, that's Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Star Wars lore changes forever with the reveal of Palpatine's Sith rival. What'd you think of this? So I, I so I'll, I'll go over it a bit here. Apparently, in the new in the new comics, uh, Kira, who we know from Solo fame, is trying to usurp some power. Good word. Thank you, thank you. In the uh, in the universe, and you know the person that she decides to usurp that power from is none other than Shivi Palps, right? You know, it makes sense to me. It makes perfect sense. So she does this. Apparently, spoiler alert, by attempting to disrupt the rule of two. And by doing so, she gets this something cage. What's it called? The uh, Fermata. Fermata cage? Sounds like a cheese. F-E-R-M-A-T-A. The Fermata cage. What's Fermata with you, Papa Duck? <laughs> um, so the Fermata cage apparently houses this ancient Sith spirit that she wants to release to combat uh, and try to usurp uh, Shivi Palps. Um, now, I think this, when I, when I read this, I was like, oh, this is somewhat interesting to me because we've never seen Shivi go up against anything, you know, that was super dangerous to him and or something that was on his level when it came to baddies, you know, baddies. Obviously, he faces Luke. Luke's a good guy. Vader turns at the end. Good guy. Faces Ray. A good guy. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. But we've never seen, you know, the what they what they gave us in 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 2000 wrestling where they had villain versus villain, heel versus heel, hero versus hero, which is always a good flip of the script. Um, so I'm 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 actually interested in seeing how this develops. Now, obviously, we know what happens. You know, Shivi wins because he's you know. He survived to, to live another day. Um, but I think it's still an interesting concept. and something that I appreciate the writers doing and going that route and not just giving us the same old bullshit day in and day out. What about you, Pop? Well, this Fermata cage kind of reminded me of Superman 2. <laughs> oh, Phantom Zone. Yeah, because the cage is a dark side device which traps a single, per a single moment in perpetual stasis. Subjecting anyone trapped into this thing to a living death. So basically, it's a guy falls into a box and he gets married. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> the question, and my question is, can, can you choose what, what moment that you want to go into? Because I want to be like at the moment that I'm like literally blowing a load as I'm watching poor, uh, just floating around the world like that. <laughs> he look like you have a he sound like fucking. Uh, Sylvester Stallone <laughs> making that no. face. You mean my buddy Sylvester Stallone, who had better seats too in the UFC fight? Yo, did you watch Tulsa King yet? I have not. No, I don't. Oh, know it's good. I watched it. I watched it. Good stuff. Two episodes in. Um, I don't know, man. This is very interesting. We 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 don't see uh, heel versus heel. We do get a little tease of Darth Mormon, 
or I think that was the guy's name, or that was trapped in the mask in the Vader comic. Um, What's he from, like uh, Utah? Something like that. Um, but yeah, we've never really got heel versus heel, and I think that makes for a very interesting uh, story where we have like Sith black and white versus Sith wolf pack. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, Palpatine uses a lightsaber in the pre. Why does Palpatine use a lightsaber in the prequels and not in the OT? He was too gangster. Do you do you know why he did this? He said because he felt that the lightsaber was a symbol of the Jedi's something or something, their hubris, their inability to, you know, be actual human beings. Yeah, you're you're close. You're close. Something like something like that. He believed that the Jedi's lightsaber, was created as their primary weapon, clouded their vision and blinded, blinded them to the fact that everything around them is a weapon through the Force. And that the Jedi put too much stock in lightsabers. Do you see that roll of toilet paper there? <laughs> Palpatine, good. Palpatine prefers to use manipulation, fear of the dark side, and other attributes as weapons. As shown as in Return of the Jedi. Now, Palpatine's hatred of lightsabers mentioned above and mainly in his reasoning for still using them perfectly explains why he does in the prequels. The mockery of the Jedi and his need for more protection while behind enemy lines explains his mastery of the lightsabers in Revenge of the Sith. So, I don't know, this guy kind of made chicken salad out of chicken shit. Mm. But I agree with him. You know? what about how they relied too much on the lightsaber no but why he used it in the prequel he didn't use it in the ot you want to know why because he was too old and when you get too old you really can't use it the way you used to no you just take a blue chew you're good to go and this episode of doofus is brought to you by (laughs) blue chew use the code and if oh oh, h h h h uh, or you could do like Palpatine after he fucking uh, shoots Mace Windu with the lightning and, and Anakin turn. Hey. Uh, I, I can see Chuchi Santiago on the Blue Chew website being like, this code's not working. N F O O O O O. Am I putting one too many O's? Tremendous. Hey, were you a fan favorite or did you like uh, uh, Santa Staros, who uh, also known as. Uh, uh, Han Solo's wife. Um, I've never heard of Santa Staros. Remember the black chick? She she came off saying she was married to Han Solo. Uh, okay, whatever. I don't know. Santa Staros sounds like she's uh, originated in J- in Japan and she was uh one of their top heels. Pop. Uh, he's, she's getting her own series. Did, there's a photo. There's a photo of her in Ribera Steakhouse. Pop. Uh, how do you like Mon Mothma so far, in Andor? Oh, I love her. I love I love when my mom Mothma's. But <laughs> uh, I she, mean, besides- she she's been a great character. She's had it's a pivotal role. We know this already because we've seen her have a pivotal role before in the Star Wars universe. And I think them fleshing her out and the way she's being very subterfugish is uh is very cool. Along with uh Skarsgard over there. Um I like her. And the rumor is that they're gonna potentially spin her off into her own series. I don't know if I like it that much, but we'll see. Would you watch? 
I'll watch anything Star Wars, you know. Like, you know what's because you know what's better than Star Wars, Pop? Yeah, more fucking Star Wars. More fucking Star Wars. Did you know the lightsabers weren't the only kyber crystal weapons in Star Wars? I did. So, you know, when when I initially read this article, I thought we were gonna be like, oh, we're gonna rehash some of the other bullshit that they talked about before, like like the whip and the axe. Like the also. whip, exactly. The whip specifically. Um, but they did it, and they went down a pathway that I did not know before. Apparently. The Jedi librarian, Jocasta New, yeah. not Jocasta Old, Jocasta New, uh, used a kyber crystal rifle, which she had like her lightsaber attached to the inside of it, but harnessed the kyber crystal to actually shoot through the rifle, which uh, I thought was pretty cool. I agree. It's but a nice then, little. But but then it begs it begs to you know the uh, the plot hole where how come other people weren't using this. And if this but, was potentially to be done, why did Obi-Wan say that Blasters was so uncivilized? Well, because that's his point of view. Uh, but I do agree with you that if you're able to take the kyber crystal and put your lightsaber into it. Ooh, oh, that sounds more dirty than <laughs> And you're able to function another weapon, whether it's a bazooka or a blaster rifle or a sniper rifle or an Uzi or any kind of mechanism. Why, why haven't you? Why didn't you? It's a very good question. I mean, there's a lot of things that they introduce now, and you make it, you know, you go to yourself, wait, I like it, I accept it. Why was this? Why wasn't this implemented in the time frame that passed? Whether it's OT sequel trilogy, yep. prequel trilogy. Oh, I mean, the right answer is because ceiling and shit like that. Yes, I mean, we, the right answer is because we didn't think about it yet. You know, it, it didn't come into fruition. But we got to try to make sense out of it. So, all right. Now, chicken salad, did, chicken shit, baby. Um, did you ever wonder why Yoda and Yaddle talk differently? Um, I think Yoda, as we've said for many, many years, is dyslexic and he's having an issue putting his his, his sentences together. So he really wasn't from Dagobah. He was really from the bodega. He was from the Bodega Bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there goes the episode's name. Bodega Bar. <laughs> That's Pop. fantastic. Thank you. Thank He's you. like a Spanish uncle that sits in the bodega. Hi, Poppy. Yeah. You got a quarter, Poppy. Poppy, go tell your mother. When Christmas comes, I'll get money for you. We'll get to us. Toys are us. Nice. Star Wars producer Dave Filoni shares on his in-universe explanation on why Yaddle t- doesn't talk like Yoda. In the animated animated series Tales of the Jedi, she went to boarding school. Yeah, right. <laughs> Filoni states, "Does she speak backwards?" I'm like, "No, I don't think so. I think that's a Yoda thing." Frank Oz told me once that Yoda speaks that way specifically in honor of his own master. Master, master, master. master. <laughs> that was what he had thought about. Uh, I try to keep moving forward these thoughts. And Bryce on her own made a great yaddle. So it's a reflection of his um, former master, whoever that may be. So, And I think they said that his master was very old and spoke a different, like, something of basic, like a uh, different, different form. Different form of basic, exactly. Yes. I don't know. It's like the Queen's English, like Old English. Exactly. I, I, like I just think it's interesting that they would not make Yaddle speak like Yoda. Um, 
when they could have done it very, very easily and just been wrapped it up and not had to worry about anything else. I don't know. Do you think this adds more mystique to Yoda, or do you think this waters down their species? No, I think it definitely adds more mystique to Yoda, and that may be the reason why they actually did it. They wanted to kind of have a separation between him and everybody else. Church and state, baby. Exactly. Um, um, which is which is fine, I guess, but it's just I don't know. It's very it's very complicated. Star Wars. Star it's not Wars. gay. Yeah. It's not gay. It's Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Star that's Wars a, new. That's a T-shirt. There we go. Newest Disney Plus show is now beating Andor in audience demand. Now, according to Parrot Analytics, Tales of the Jedi is now more demand in the United States in comparison to Andor as of early November. Uh, I don't want to go into the whole fucking metric system why, but what do you think, Doc? Um, now, this is before or after the last couple of episodes of Andor, where now it's pushing Mando numbers. Uh, according to them, this is the beginning of November. You'll November. be gone to November, like White Claw yeah, John. Exactly. Um, so that was probably prior to the last couple episodes. Um, well, I think a the easily digestible ep- episodes of Tales of the Jedi was... Well, hold on. But let me explain what they're saying. They're saying that the demand is higher for Tales of the Jedi. The demand, as in like people are watching it more? I guess so. Like, or the people wanting to watch... The, uh, Tales of the Jedi more than wanting to watch Andor. Well, it's also a very a very finite series where you watch those six episodes and you're done and they're very, very quick. So you could bang out the whole Tales of the Jedi an hour and a half, which is almost the length of an Andor episode. So um Well, according to this, Parrot uses over a billion various data points from uh, demand sources such as social media, social media platforms, audience activities on informal informational sites like Wikipedia and free streaming sites. Uh, this produces a number that represents that says that is a representative of how many times above the average the show is, the, is in demand by viewers. From October 29th to November 4th, Tales of the Jedi ranked fourth out of all the TV shows on the air using this metric system, only trailing Stranger Things the Witcher, and The Handmaid's Tale. For this last week of data, Tales of the Jedi managed to accrue demand 37.4 times the average, just edging Andor, which has just fell behind 33.8 times higher than the average. So it's only 0.6 times higher. They make it sound like it's getting blown out of the water. That's not statistically significant. No, that's fucking immaterial in my opinion. Fucking horseshit. They got us again. They did, these fuckers. They always get us. Works. Listen, Doc, before we go into uh, You Just Made the List, is there anything else you want to add? Um, let's see. What do I want to add? Um, Hasbro has come up with a couple of different new figures, and they're doing these holiday figures again. Um, I got one here, which I think is actually pretty cool. I bought two the of them. The White Chewy? So I got the white chewy. He's boxed up somewhere. Um, but hold on. This is the cool one that came out. It's the Halloween one, which is the oh uh, yeah. It's the it's the uh, one of the troopers. Uh, I think it's the um, uh, episode three trooper, who is a skeleton. He's basically wearing like the bodysuit from a uh, Karate Kid, which was pretty neat. Um, it's so Parker. Exactly. 
<laughs> the chairman of the board. Somebody, uh, chairman of the empire. <laughs> somebody popped the head off, and underneath, in, in under the mask was a uh, Tamora Morrison's head, which I thought was also pretty cool. I just popped it off. He comes with a little pork that's dressed as Dracula. Nice, which is cool. And then he comes with um a gimmick um uh chest. That has a little ghost of Jabba the Hutt flooding over there. This is the chest that Maz Kanata had with the lightsaber. But the funny thing is that he comes with a bunch of sticks of Beskar, but the Beskar are painted like Hershey chocolates. Oh, lovely. So this was a cool thing that came out. And, and you know, a lot of people, a lot of the hardcore collectors like, oh, it's so fucking bullshit. Why are they doing this? It's ridiculous. A, I'm a completist and I have to have everything. If not, I have this OCD that I want to like, you know, dive off a building. Um, su- uh, tope Suicida off a building. Um, tope Suicida, as I think Joey Styles. Um, so I have to have everything, but I think this one particularly I thought was pretty neat. So that's why I got two. So I have one loose, one boxed. Um, and my mark for uh, skulls and skeletons. So, do you have any skulls or skeleton tattoos? I have a couple actually. Do you really? I do. Not, I got, not the, the Mandalorian. I got the Mandalorian. I got this one up over here. Okay, I see that now. Yeah, I got that one over there. I got. The Lady Liberty. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, I think I Look got at those uh, guns. Look at those guns. Daddy's been working out for the wedding, baby. What is that? Twenty twos. Twenty twos over there. Me and me and Hogan are fucking uh, running over. Look at them fucking traps. Let's look at that horseshoe. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Oh, someone's on the gas. Yeah. One day, Big Ray was like, "Doc, I didn't realize you're so big." I'm like, "You have no idea, big guy." And then you put your pants back on. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> and I left his mother's house. Oh. Oh, oh wow! Anyway, you don't listen; it's fine. It's okay. What's he gonna do? Cry in his pillow <laughs> <laughs> after he's done biting it? Love you, dude. Love you, dude. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. All in good joke. All in good fun. Anyway, uh, Doc, guess what? Uh, did I just make the list? You just made the list. You just made the list. Yes. So we have four lists here, Doc. I'm going to let you pick first. You could pick either 17 interesting light side. 17 inches? Oh, sorry. 17 interesting light side weapons and combat details. Yes, yes, yes. I'm in... doing that one first. Go ahead. Okay. 17 interesting light side weapons and combat details in the Star Wars franchise. Number one, the reason Blue Squadron wasn't attacking the Death Star. Uh, so Red Squadron had originally attacked the Death Star, but Blue conflicted with the blue screens. So it was changed to gold in Rogue One. Red, Gold, and Blue Squadron attack Scarif, where Blue Squadron is destroyed, leaving them unavailable for the events in Star Wars. Very interesting. You didn't know that? I did not know that. That's the same reason why they made like Luke Skywalker's saber green. That I knew. That I knew. Okay. Because the, uh, the, the, um, the green screen, blue screen nonsense in the background. Anyway, so this I knew. Camera flash holders were used as the original lightsabers. So there's a company called Garaflex that made um, camera flashes and they made like the old school camera flashes where, you know, you go like, it was like Peaky Blinders where, you know, you step by the photo. Oh, big thing in the Peaky front. fucking Blinders. Right. And they would take the photo and it would like big, big flash bulb goes off and blind you and you crash your car. So they yanked those things and they actually made the lightsabers based off of those. Now, interesting fact, the first lightsaber that I constructed when I was in medical school because, you know, we didn't have companies like Ultra Sabers or Neo Pixel Saber or all this shit back in the day. I actually went on eBay and I bought an old school Garaflex um, flash. 
and I took it and it looks it really is exactly like the fucking lightsaber. I took it and retrofitted it and made my own lightsaber. How long did it take you? Not that long. I'm a pretty handy guy. Anyway, Obi-Wan attempts to disarm Anakin first in Revenge of the Sith. Um, yes, there's you know that move where he does a little spin-spin thing where he tries to knock the saber out of his hand. Uh, but then eventually he just decides to kill him. Anyway. Your new empire! Obi-Wan adjusts his fighting style before the duel with Darth Maul. We know that. He gave him the two fingers, and then he went to the uh, Qui-Gon Jinn to kind of bait him in and then kill him. Han Solo's blaster started as a Mauser C-96. The Mauser C-96 is a German pistol used in World War II, which they both look almost exactly the same, especially the handle. The camera flash handle used for Luke's lightsaber has a Made in New York on it. Yep, we know about true, this. True story. If you zoom in on it, it definitely does. Obi-Wan knows exactly how many droids he has he has taken down. Because um, his kill count is on the side of his Starfighter in Return of the Jedi. I mean, um, Return, Revenge of the Sith. Luke can ignite his lightsaber using the Force. Um, and that's because an Empire Strikes Back. He brings the lightsaber to him. By the time his hand is already ignited. That was his, interesting. You know, lazy editing. Clever editing. <laughs> we know exactly. Satellite on the Money Falcon changes after a battle. Yes, we knew uh, this. Because it gets knocked off. Is that the reason why? Yep. Okay, we know that. That's a very expensive piece, by the way, if you are uh, looking for the original. Obi-Wan has a ritual weapon on display in his thing. It's, I don't know what kind of weapon it is, but... Uh, I think it's the, uh, the saber. Whose saber? Fucking Anakin saber. Anakin saber on display? Oh, that would be some fucking crazy shit. Wasn't it in, uh, in, in the box? Is that what you're talking uh, about? No, it's a weapon taken from the Tusken Raiders on his wall. Oh. Um, grapple an antique blast from the back room. Eh, whatever. A bomb in The Last Jedi has a special message from Han. Yes, I knew this. Han says hi. Han says hi, correct. Oh, my God. These lists, they drive me crazy when you want to scrolling above and then it takes you to like some penis page or some Best Buy thing. What's the difference? Um, exactly. Leia <laughs> uses a modified Leia uses a modified target pistol in A New Hope. That looks very James Bondish. Oh, one more time here with this stupid fucking list. She likes her semen shaken, not stirred. <laughs> you see to grab a head and go like this. Ray's <laughs> <laughs> um, lightsaber changes color. The crystal on the inside it goes from green to blue to yellow. All right, whatever. Who cares? Um, all right. This is really pissing me off because it, every one it clicks onto the to the next fucking thing. Anyway, whatever. List is bullshit. You go now. Ten hidden things redditors found in Star Wars movies. Let's go. My salami uh, and slave Leia. Yes. An explanation for Ben Kenobi's overreaction at Attack of the Clones. There are a lot of details in the original trilogy that George Lucas set out to address in the prequel series, such as Obi-Wan Kenobi's random mention of something called the Clone Wars. Redditor Pop thinks they found an example of this in the most that most people missed. They were confused by old Ben suddenly chopping off Panda Baba's limb for bothering Luke and most Eisley, but Notice that in episode two, he's at a bar and an assassin has a blaster pointed at him. 
He likely hasn't forgotten how threatening strangers at bars can be, so his swift and violent reaction suddenly makes a lot of more sense. Sure. Ghost, the ghost in Chopper's camp cameo in Rogue One. Uh, Andor has only expanded on Rogue One's excellent contribution to Star Wars canon, but fans of Star Wars Rebels have even more reason to enjoy the movie. Um, Redditor Rogue ha- uh, underscore Gonas favorite find. Gonas, yeah, something like that. Spinoff was that uh, spinoff tale was the Ghost and the Chopper showing up in the movie. Chopper's a fan favorite Jordan Star Wars, his cranky personality, heroic moments, and Rebels. So it's no surprise we're delighted when they showed up in the Rebel Alliance hangar. The addition of the ghost's appearance, the ship in which the heroes use, is in the Battle of Scarif and it helped make the movie uh, a treat for the Rebel fans. Obi-Wan's first shot. Bleh. Obi-Wan's foreshadowing Attack of the Clones. With the prequels made long after the original trilogy, Lucas had a unique opportunity to incorporate foreshadowing into the movies, which he took great advantage of. There are some very suitable examples. The Redditor Sterlow 4 found one hidden in the dialogue between Obi-Wan and Anakin in episode 2. They simply quote in the line, Anakin, why do I have a feeling you're going to be the death of me? Yeah, we knew about that one. Yeah. IG-88 on the scrap pile, The Empire Strikes Back, with the distinctive and menacing design, IG-88 is one of the bounty hunters that captured fans' attention in Empire Strikes Back. Cyberpunk, if one believes, he had slightly more insight than an ordinary viewer might think, noticing that he was also in Cloud City in a scrap heap against a wall against uh, to get smelted down by the Ugnaughts. Well, that could have been any IG unit. They all look alike. Yep. References to the uh, what's his face IG eleven. Yes, references to the Matrix in an Attack of the Clones. Everyone knows that Star Wars prequels weren't afraid to reference other iconic sci-fi movies, but it nods to the Matrix when Obi-Wan and Anakin track down would-be assassin to a CD bar are a little harder to a CD bar a little harder to spot. Reddit noted that Matt Doran, the actor who plays the alien who offers Obi-Wan death sticks, also plays Mouse in the Matrix. Yes. Okay. And Eva Pod in Waddle Shop, The Phantom oh, Menace. So how's that a nod to The Matrix? Because they hired a fucking actor that was in The Matrix? Yes, I guess. The best hidden details in Star Wars movies are the ones... Yeah, I agree. Are the ones that are seamlessly that only the most eagle-eyed movie buff would ever be able to notice them. That's the case with the protagonist's visit to Waddle Shop in Episode 1 and EVA Pod from 2001 Space Odyssey briefly appears in the background. Uh, Kaloon Emot on crate in The Last Jedi. One Kaloon of the fun- Emot? C-A-L-U-A-N. Kaloon Emot. E-M-A-T-T. One of, the, one of the fun parts of watching Star Wars sequel trilogy. Are there any fun parts? I'm kidding. Is this, spotting- this, this is where the fun begins, though. Uh, it's spotting all the characters and moments from the previous movies that carry through. Redditor. Two Earl Grey Two was excited to notice that a resistance soldier walked out of the pier through binoculars at the Battle of Crate and said they were ninety percent sure that he was being made to look like the soldier who did the same thing at the Battle of Hoth. Uh, the resistance soldier was Kalun Emat, a character that also appeared in The Force Awakens, adding another small link between the movies. Unused hollow chest characters return in Star Wars, a Star Wars story. 
Hollow chest scene is Star Wars, a solo Star Wars story was a treat for eagle-eyed viewers, and many noted that it actually explained an odd Easter egg from The Force Awakens. Redditor Rob Fendler found another detail just as interesting, though, commenting that two unused hollow chest characters designed for A New Hope finally had their on-screen debut in this scene. VX supervisor Chris Morley confirmed that the Tippett Studio website that had that that the new pieces were the two characters that missed out on an appearance at the original hollow chest scene in A New Hope. Okay. Luke's possession leaves no footprints. The Last Jedi. While fans would have been happy if Luke had gotten even more screen time in Star Wars sequels, this more impactful moment was undoubtedly the reveal that he was distracting Kylo Ren with the force protected hologram of himself. Redditor Yato Yami noticed Yato Yami. that the signs were all were there all along. Commenting that Luke's projection didn't leave footprints. Yes. No shit. The death of Red 5 in Rogue One, we know this, which ends up being Luke's call sign. The end. All right, up to you, Doc. Okay, let's see here. Ten things, Tales of the Jedi. Did better than Star Wars. Hold on. This has been a fun listing over here. Here we go. Okay, ten things, Tales of the Jedi does better than the Star Wars movies. Uh, Tales of the Jedi takes time to explore another race. So in the first episode, they're looking at the uh, Tortugas, the Tortugas. Torgrudas. Tell the Jedi shows just how powerful younglings can be when she tames the saber-toothed tiger. Tell the Jedi show how easily power can be misused when Dooku uh, misuses his power in episode two. Tell the Jedi gives Qui-Gon Jinn much-needed backstory. Uh, shows that the Galactic Republic was far from perfect when they have that issue in episode two. Um, where they take out the uh, the insurgents. Tales of the Jedi give Yaddle a purpose instead of looking to be being a female Yoda. I'm sure Yoda had a purpose for her. It shows how Dooku's path to the dark side was paved with good intentions. You know, clearly he wanted to... Um, takes no pleasure in killing Yaddle, uh, but believes he must do to help the people of the Republic. Reveals small secrets that help build the universe. Um, like uh, um, Ahsoka fighting the little droid bots, I guess. I don't know. It makes no sense. Uh, and shows consequences of the Jedi going into hiding. And shows the cruelty of the Empire in the last episode resolved where they kill all those people. That's it. Keep going. Your turn. Every canceled or reworked Disney Star Wars project. Oh boy, I don't think we have enough time for this. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Solo by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Force Awakens, written by Michael Arndt. Uh, that was the first person to take a crack at episode seven before uh, before leaving. This is when a. This is this is when. Uh, J.J. and Loris Kasdan took over. Yeah. Uh, episode 9 by Colin Trevorrow. Uh, David Benhoff and D.B. Weiss film, which were the guys from Game of Thrones. They bounced and went to Netflix. Star Wars Detours. The show was done, an animated Star Wars comedy from the team of uh, Robot Chicken. Never saw the light of day. Josh Trank's Boba Fett movie after his little debacle on the Fantastic Four. 
James Mangold Boba Fett movie. Uh, <laughs> when he took over and then it still didn't come out. An Obi-Wan Obi- Kenobi film trilogy. Gareth, Gareth Edwards Rogue One. Now, I know people out there might be saying, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Gareth Edwards started filming Rogue One. Couldn't finish it. Felt like the film was missing something or was a mess. And they brought in Tony Gilroy to clean it up. And allegedly changed the complete ending of the movie and made it to where it is right now. Um, What's that ending? The, uh, the J.D. Dillard movie that we talked about not happening. Range of the New Republic not happening. Uh, Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy, much to uh, Spiro Chagrin, is not happening. Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron movie is not happening. Mm, nope. A Zack Snyder Star Wars movie, not happening. Not happening. Star Wars 1313, not happening. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Underworld, which was filmed by George Lucas himself, is not happening. Won't be won't see a live day either. And that's it. That's a lot of shit. Did. A lot of shit not going down, brother. Captain Kennedy got to shut her mouth and get in that kitchen. That's right. Go make fucking some some sandwiches for freaking Spielberg and your fucking keep, lady. But, uh, Doc, anything else you want to add to this lovely newsfield show? I think that's it, man. I think we hit them. We hit them all. All right. Well, let these individuals know where they can find you at. You can find me at Dr. Dr. Underscore Destroyo, D-E-S-T-R-R-O-Y-O, Instagram, Alex Arroyo, MD on Twitter, and Alex Arroyo on Facebook. You can find me, Greek God Papadon, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Getter. Demetrius Papadon on Facebook. Greek Out Papadon is the YouTube channel. Go uh, hit the notification bell. Go subscribe. That's where I put all uh, promos and matches up. Pro Wrestling Tees slash Greek Out Papadon. You can go get some Greek Out Papadon t-shirts. Big In sell. time for the holidays. That's right. Probably 20% off, which means I'll be making a smaller commission. But it's okay. Because a little something is better than nothing. That's why I tell my wife all the time. But I'm bum um, this uh, Saturday, the second of December, you could find me. Is is it Saturday the second or is it the third? Uh, I think the third. The third is Saturday. Yes, the third of December. You go find me down in Virginia for Virginia Championship Wrestling, where I will be wrestling, defending my U.S. Uh, VCW U.S. Liberty Championship against. Dirty money in a champion's advantage match. And what, pray tell, is a champion's advantage match? The people need to buy a ticket and find out <laughs> on the 3rd of December. And that's how you put asses in seats, boys and girls. Thank you very much. Like like, uh, like in Taxi. Thank you very much. Uh, but you can find all of us together, collectively, on Twitter, at NFO underscore podcast. New Force Order on Instagram, official New Force Order on Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a hot minute, but hopefully we entertained you. Hopefully we enlightened you, and hopefully we made your day a lot better. Because here in the NFO, we only have one job. And that job is to get Star Wars more over with you, the fans, and not get ourselves over, get ourselves over, on the expense of Star Wars. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your ears. And uh, we look forward 
to enlightening you and entertaining you even further from a galaxy far, far away. This has been a very informative, new stacked edition of the New Force Order for life. And that's just too sweet. The time has come. Execute order N F O.